To my right is Sam Weaver. The voice you're listening to is Chase Howell. This is the BSN Buffs podcast presented by Blake Street Tavern coming to you live from the Blake Street Tavern. Well, hey. not necessarily live, but we are here we right are now currently here in Blake Street Tavern recording. You guys will listen to it a little later. Yeah. But we're going to cover uh, Washington State. We got to talk a little bit about the game on our last podcast, so you won't have as much game coverage. But we're going to give you a little preview of Washington State. So the big news coming out from today, Washington State's leading receiver, Tavares Martin Jr., suspended in at least this weekend. That's all that matters to the bus fans. Sam, what do you think? I mean, first of all, assuming that we are saying Tavares' name right, um, the kid has 502 yards, seven touchdowns, uh, leads the team in scoring this year. So the Buffs basically lose their Shea Fields. Their, well, I guess their Bryce Bobo this year. They lose their Bryce Bobo. So I get it. So, so kind of a huge hit there to their offense, which um, is run by Luke Falk, who Pretty, pretty darn good quarterback over there. So this is going to be a pretty big hit for them. Yeah, that's what I hear. So Isaiah Oliver may have just gotten a much easier job this weekend from the looks of it because their their next highest scoring receiving target is actually their starting running back as far as touchdowns goes. So yeah, you're exactly right. Isaiah Oliver's job just got a little bit easier on Saturday. Um, other than that, I don't know if this is going to have that big of an impact on this game just because um, I I know Mike Leach is known for overthinking things, but as long as he doesn't overthink it, Washington State's going to be running the ball a lot. And that was probably the game plan before they knew about Tavares Martin, but now that he's out, I think we're just going to see a lot of the run game, a lot of that Washington State run game. They use, I think, three different running, running backs that they really like. Obviously, Jamal Murrow is their favorite running back he can do just about anything he can catch it out of the backfield like you just said second leading receiver in touchdowns so they're going to want to get it in the hands of their running backs they're going to want to get it uh into the hands of guys that can make open field plays because one of one thing that CU just hasn't been able to do is tackle an open field and I think that's going to be really obvious to coach Leach and tape and that's what he's going to try to do so other than Isaiah Oliver's job getting easier, I don't know how much of an effect this has. See, I was I was about to say, I think this might be one of the few examples of a star player on your opponent's team going out and that maybe not being, like, the best thing in the world. Because at least with their star wide receiver, and they're going to they're gonna pass sometimes. You know that. But when they go in and they're just going to lean on the run so heavily this weekend and see you has struggled so much against the run, like... I don't know if that's great that their running back gets a couple extra carries. I don't think that's necessarily the best thing for CU. Right. I mean, if you're CU, you probably want to see their running back be the one that's out for the yeah. super. Um, the other way around doesn't really help you guys because they can't stop the run. And it right. won't matter who's starting at wide receiver because if they, they're not able to tackle these guys, I don't think it's really going to matter. Yeah. So I think um, – and it looks like their running backs had a pretty good season so far. Five receiving touchdowns, two rece- or two rushing touchdowns, 339 rushing yards, 223 receiving yards. I mean, pretty much your standard. Yeah, not that many yards on the ground at all, really. Not that many yards on the ground, but a uh, really solid dual threat running back, I guess. Not, yeah, and that's kind of, I mean, in an air raid offense that Washington State runs, he's going to be catching the ball just as much as he's getting the ball out of the, in a handoff. So, um 
Yeah, but I think we're definitely going to see him get the ball and a handoff a lot more often this week because I just don't understand why you wouldn't. Well, the uh, it looks like Washington State has a couple of wide receivers who are right up there in yards, but maybe not in scoring. So I don't think, I mean, obviously losing your star wide receiver, not a good thing, but I don't think they're going to take too much of a hit. They have some other productive receivers, at least statistically, on their team as well. So. And w- when you have a quarterback like Luke Falk that just makes really good decisions, period, he's going to want to spread the ball around a lot. So, yeah, it's not going to make that big of an impact. Obviously, it helps him a little bit, but I don't see it really impacting the game that much. Coach Mack has talked about all week how Luke Falk just loves to check. He says that he checks probably every single play, and I think that's a really interesting point that Mack keeps on bringing up because I think he's brought it up, what, both – I guess he's only talked to the media twice this week because Wednesday was canceled. So both days this week he brought up that Luke Falk loves to check, and I think it's going to be an interesting thing to see how CU answers those checks because Mac Art clearly knows about it. So what is he going to do when they do check? I think that's an interesting point, Chase. I think the other thing to kind of look at is that with the Buffs maybe struggling with their mid-game adjustments this season at least, it does not look like he or Washington State's quarterback is a running quarterback. He doesn't have like very many rushing yards this season. So, I mean, I don't know. Their mid-game adjustments have been such a struggle this year. I just I don't I don't want to see them be challenged by anything cuz like they're going to have to figure out what this Washington State offense wants to do on them because right. on most teams they just want to pass the ball and they want to throw as many times as they can usually for the most part. I don't think that's going to be the winning formula if they're trying to beat CU. So I think CU will have a little bit, like, during the first quarter or so, they're going to have to figure out what Washington State's kind of game plan is. I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting to see kind of what Washington State wants to do. I mean, they lose their top wide receiver. They go into a team that's really struggling to stop the run with Colorado. So, I mean, I would think that they would be inclined to lean on their run anyway I mean if you're talking about smart coaching but well Mike Leach I I mentioned this for a brief second but Mike Leach is known to kind of overthink things Um, Ryan Koningsberg was just talking to us he brought up the game against Washington State a few years ago when John Embry got his first win against Washington State and in the fourth quarter I believe Washington State was up double digits by quite a bit and they refused to run the ball in the fourth quarter they they continued to pass the ball CU ended up making a few plays in that fourth quarter and CU ended up coming out with the victory so uh just in general Mike Leach is kind of known for not doing exactly what you kind of expect out of him well I mean I get that I hear that argument but I mean, let's talk about Washington State is 6-1 and one this year. So, clearly, they're not overthinking too much. I mean, I know they lost last weekend against Cal, but I, if, in my opinion, this is Washington State's game to lose. Like, if they come in with a bad game strategy and are trying to, like, I don't know, play the Buffs defensive backs as opposed to, like, attacking their defensive line where they clearly have holes, then that's – that's on Washington State, but I don't think that this Buffs defense is built to handle their offense. No, absolutely not. Luke Falk, even with um, CU's pass defense being a little bit better, Luke Falk's going to have his way a little bit with this team. I mean, last year when Luke Falk came into Boulder, he looked really good for most of that game. He made some throws that were 
unbelievable. They were out routes that he threw before the wide receiver even broke towards the sideline. And he's just that that good. Has that powerful arm, loves to sit in the pocket, is ac- one of the most accurate quarterbacks in college football. So he's still going to be able to figure, figure his way. It's just to see if uh, Coach Leach puts a little bit too much trust in him and he, he starts throwing the ball a little too much. It, I think this game will start to get interesting if he does that. Yeah, I think um, I think if they put too much in their quarterback, if Washington State does, I think the Buffs are going to be able to take advantage of that. So, like, obviously, as a Buffs fan, that's what you hope happens. You hope that Falk is trying to lean on his um, not not backup receivers, but his other receivers, and um, and Isaiah Oliver gets to do what he does, and Evan Worthington gets to do what he does, and Afalabe Laguda and. I'm assuming Trey Udofia, Dante Wiggly combination, and they all kind of get to play to their strengths, which is like to uh, play really good cover and to like kind of control the passing game and force some interceptions there. Because if they lean on the run, this game is going to be over really, really fast because the Buffs haven't been able to stop running quarterbacks. They haven't been able to stop running backs. And if they get, if Washington State gets a really good run game going, I think this one's going to be over really fast. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, Washington State will have to have the game plan that they want to run. We're it. giving them their game plan. We're yeah. telling them if you I, want to I, beat the Buffs, hey, you run the ball. <laughs> Mike Leach, listen to our podcast sometime because, <laughs> like, run the ball and you're going to be fine against this team. But if they don't, I think it'll get really interesting. On the other side of the ball, Washington State has really improved this year. Their defense looks tons different than it did last year, even when they played CU late in the season. I think a lot of it is the development of defensive lineman Hercules Mata'afa. And I'll give some credit to Coach McIntyre here. He came in to Tuesday's presser and said, I don't know how Coach Leach does it, but he got the son of Zeus to play defense for him. And the son of Zeus, Hercules Mata'afa, is quite the stud. He can, it's a great name. Yeah, he can just absolutely rush the passer. He can stop the run. He's not that big. He's more of like a – he has – the size of like a 3-4 outside linebacker. I think he's maybe 250, 240, 250. But he's way stronger than those guys, even if they weigh a ton more because he's just that kind of guy. He's Hercules. Like he's literally that guy. And I think him being the left end, having to go up against the left tackle or the right tackle of CU, I think they're going to really struggle with that. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't sound good at all. I don't know. That's going to – the Buffs' offensive line, man, and their defensive line, we keep coming back to the trenches, and we keep being like, this is so ugly. But, like, especially when you're talking about a team that excels in the area that is on the other side of where you are having all these problems, like, that's one of those things that could get ugly fast, too. I mean, if the run game gets out of control for Washington State, that's going to hurt the Buffs. If they're consistently just, like, nailing Steven Montez, that's obviously not good either. And – I mean, I don't know. He's having enough trouble getting this offense going, getting those wide receivers going, and I don't know. They're going to have to double-team Hercules to stop him. There's no way that one-on-one. Such a good one sentence. They're going to have to double-team Hercules. <laughs> it's going to have to happen. There's no way that one-on-one against Aaron Hagler, one-on-one against Isaac Miller, one-on-one against oh Tim Lenat. Hercules is going to win that every single time. So it's going to be the combination of Tim Lenat and Isaac Miller, Tim Lenat and Aaron Hagler that are going to have to stop him, and that might – lead to some free rushers elsewhere. So they're going to have a, lots of troubles trying to stop that. I first see a lot of those um, those 12 personnel sets that they had when they were trying to get Phil all those rushing yards a couple of weeks ago where they had George Frazier, Chris Bounds out there as like an extra lineman essentially. Because, I mean, if 
if Washington State's defensive line is that good, they're going to have some problems getting Phil free and keeping Montez on his feet. I think you will see a lot of 12 personnel. That's a really good point. I, I think they'll need to use George Frazier slash Chris Bounds. I bet you it'll be George Frazier when they're pass blocking because I, I think they're going to need to use Frazier as an extra tackle more when he's protecting uh, Steven Montez there because they're going to really struggle to protect him. I mean, they've struggled to protect him without guys that are expected to be first or second round draft picks. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This just looks uglier and uglier for the buffs the deeper we dive into this, you guys. I was already stressed out. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to be stressed out. And Washington State should be undefeated had it not been for their seven or eight turnovers that they had against Cal. What an ugly game. Like, the stat line for this game, you guys, is so bad. It, their quarterback had negative 50 rushing yards. <laughs> negative 50. Yeah, that's that's crazy. But turning the ball over, what, what was it, seven seven turnovers, I think? Five interceptions. I'm just on Luke five Hulk's page right now. I don't two know. Or, two or three fumbles? Yeah. I know it was seven or eight. Anyway, when you turn the ball over that many times, you're not going to win many football games. And a lot of those turnovers were fluky-type turnovers. It's not like... I, I guess like Coach Mack out of somebody's hands, kind of thing. Yeah, Coach Mack has alluded to that. It's not like Cal was making the plays; it was more that Washington State was kind of just giving it up. And when you lose the turnover battle like that, you're going to lose. It was kind of a fluky game. But well, hey, hopefully that's what they're doing this weekend. They're going to come into Colorado and just toss a bunch of really bad interceptions. Or never mind, they're not coming to Colorado. Colorado is going to go to Washington State, and they're just going to toss a bunch of interceptions. But I. I, it's really hard for me to look at this game and see the Buffs winning, honestly. I mean, Washington State's putting up too many points consecutively, and their defense is holding, like, pretty well. They struggled against Boise State, of all teams, on their schedule so far this year. Boise but State always has an offense. Boise State, 47-44 in overtime, three overtime. But, always um, take the o- over when Boise State is playing. Never take the under. Um, just yeah, a little betting I mean, it's tip. just... I, I don't know. I don't see this going super great for the Buffs this week. Um, let's – you want to switch gears? You want to get into keys? Yeah. Keys um, to victory. I've started singing more on the podcast. That's kind of weird. All right. Keys, let's, keys, keys to, to victory. victory. I sang Derek McCartney's name yesterday. Derek. Um, all right. Let's see. I sing when I get excited, you guys. That's just me. So, you know, I'm excited about something when I sing about it. Keys to victory. Number one, we just talked about this. Stop the run. Like, that is going to be so huge. Obviously, that's huge in every football game. But, like, when you have a team that basically has Bryce Bobo and Phil Lindsay and then they lose Bryce Bobo, I mean, Phil's going to run all over them, right? So, you're talking about Washington State comes in or Washington State and they're going to lean on the run super heavily this weekend. CU has to find a way to stop it. Yeah. That's the sentence I I don't even know about stop. I don't know if this defense Contain, yeah. limit the damage of the run. Maybe? I don't know if this defense is capable of actually stopping a run. They might That's be able point. to contain a run or yeah. slow down a run. Slow down a run. But stopping, I think, is asking maybe a lot from them. Maybe trip up a run. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I agree. This defensive line has not looked like they're capable of stopping the run. They've been putting a lot of that on the secondary, which is why the fantastic Evan Worthington had 12 tackles last week. 12 tackles last week. 12. 12 tackles last week. Um But this is just, I mean, the defensive line has to step up, bottom line. If the D-line cannot stop the run and second key to victory, get pressure to Washington State's quarterback, they're going to have a big problem. And it's going to get ugly really fast. That Washington State offense is going to rack up a bunch of points. And CU is going to be left playing catch-up like they are often. 
Yeah, but hopefully they are able to get quite a bit of pressure on the quarterback. It seemed like this past week they started to do that a little bit, and most of that was because of Derek McCartney, I think. Maybe that was the only reason, but it kind of seemed like he was able to get more pressure than he usually does. So hopefully if they're looking, I mean, they're going to have to contain the run and contain the pass, which is going to be really difficult because they're not going to be able to stop the run. I will say that I was in photo window this morning at practice, and I was shooting the offensive and defensive lines, and the drills that they were running were specifically, like, getting around the offensive line to get to the quarterback drills. And I loved that. I was like, I love that this is what you guys are focusing on right now. I don't know what you did for the other hour and 45 minutes of practice, but I am hyped that this is what you guys are doing right now. I I mean, that's great. They were, like, going out of their way to make sure that Rick Gamboa and Leo Jackson were getting around those uh, offensive linemen and getting to the quarterback or whoever was playing quarterback in their drill. But it was – you didn't just see my air quotes, playing quarterback. But um, (laughs) – it wasn't. They weren't, I did, they weren't attacking Steven Montez really or points. anything. They were just trying to get to whatever player they had pretending to be QB. And Usually, it's another D lineman. Most yeah, of I think time. it was. I don't. I just don't remember who it was. Um, so they were. I mean, it was. That was a great thing to see. And I mean, Rick was flying around people, which Whoa. was exciting. So Whoa. like fly, flying. I know for Rick, that's Rick, crazy. Rick Gamboa flying. What do you think? Rick Gambo usually like quickly saunters. I feel I don't feel like he flies very often. He's usually like just I don't know, just kind of galloping around. He's trotting. Yeah, it's trot. it's more it's, it's a trot. Yeah, I like it's that a trot for sure. <laughs> so Rick Gambo is trotting around on those drills. Rick Gambo was at least galloping today. Like he was just like coming around the outside. I don't know. It was cool. Um, I will have pictures up for you guys probably later today. By the time this podcast comes out, it'll be today. Um, yeah, so hopefully hopefully they have figured some of that out. Because you're right. It did look a little bit better. And I think some of that is as Derek McCartney gets his confidence back, he gets his burst back, he becomes somebody else that offensive lines have to deal with instead of just like kind of dead weight on the line. I don't think Derek McCartney has ever really been dead weight necessarily. But, I mean, he hasn't been Derek McCartney. And now that he's back to being – somebody that offensive linemen on the other team have to worry about i think that's huge it frees everybody else up to kind of like not be double teamed yeah and chris malumba as well i remember he got free on the quarterback i think he had a little quarterback hurry and that was the first so time cute. i remember seeing him get free and i'm like oh chris yes chris <laughs> finally getting free like i literally think that might have been the first time all season where he got patched the defensive line and was running at the quarterback it probably was a great feeling for him honestly but they need to get more pressure to the quarterback and it's guys like chris malumba Derek mccartney hopefully jacob collier uh coach mack was asked about him yesterday is it collier collier yeah i don't know everyone says collier i always say collier yeah even most reporters say collier but according to his bio and how mark johnson collier is more fun to say anyway collier even though you can't do the old Jake Shapiro, Colorado. He likes to do Collier. Yeah. Jacob Collier. Yeah, he does it the same way he says that we're the Colorado Buffaloes. And he does that like weird <laughs> Chicago. And I don't know good. what he's doing, but that, yeah, he does it with Jacob Collier's name too. Yeah, but so. it's actually Collier. Collier. Anyway, so Coach like Mack was talking about right. him yesterday during the presser. And he said that he's getting better. And he's starting to figure out that, I mean, I mentioned this on our podcast uh 
this week, our other podcast this week, that he, against CSU, he, was, he wasn't that impressed with how big their linemen are. I think he's gotten more impressed. That's kind of what Coach Mack has said, is he's starting to get used to these CSU, or th- these Pac-12 linemen rather than the CSU linemen. Now, as he gets more comfortable on figuring out how to beat them, I think he's going to get to the passer a little bit more. So, as he starts to develop, maybe Chris Malumba might get to the quarterback a few times. Leo Jackson still looks pretty good at that particular thing. Maybe Derek McCartney can. I think this team actually is capable of getting a pass rush. Rather, like, I don't, I'm not so sure about this team being capable of stopping the run, but I do think this team is capable of getting a pass rush. So we've, we've talked about this a lot this season. Um, on paper, this team is totally capable of wreaking havoc on quarterbacks, and they just haven't been able to put it all together and actually do that. And I, I just want to take this opportunity to say once again that I love Leo Jackson. I think he's just goddamn fantastic. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see them kind of have a little bit more freedom and a little bit more opportunity I guess in that area because I know how much Drew Lewis wants to just like nail a quarterback hit hit a quarter uh, nail a quarterback tackle, is perfect tackle a quarterback ruin yeah. a quarterback I just wanted to make sure there wasn't like a sexual I know how bad Drew there. Lewis wants to break a quarterback's neck is that one the, better the, I mean that might be better <laughs> Drew might take that one better I'm just saying I I know how much Drew wants to get back there I know Leo always wants to get back there when I interviewed him last week I was like does it bother you that people just run away from your side of the line? And he was like, I spend the whole game just chasing plays. I don't get to do anything. And I mean, that that's going to stop happening if the other side of the line poses like any threat at all. He was asked about that again yesterday. He was, was like, he? you still haven't gotten your first sack yet. Like, what do you think about that? And he was like, oh, it's definitely on my mind. And I'm definitely trying to change that. So yeah. that's obviously something he cares about. I mean, as just any defensive player. That's one of the biggest things, sacks and interceptions, forced fumbles, those three. But, I mean, Leo Jackson, that game where he had three sacks, I have never, I don't think, in person, seen a football player that excited mm-hmm. on a field. Like, he was just lit up. Like, he was so excited. Was he was like... More than he had in his whole career, though. So. Yeah, it was just so cool to see, though. Like, I, I, want, <laughs> I love the Buffs. I want them to be that happy all the time. I want them to be, like, that successful all the time. And Well, when you go up against Texas State linemen, you will be able to get to the quarterback a few Stop. times. I'm saying they can play Texas State all year <laughs> long. I'll be fine with that. But these Pac-12 linemen have been a lot harder to get to. And yeah. I, CU has played some pretty good lines, maybe with the exception of Oregon State, um, relative to the Pac-12. Arizona's offensive line actually has quite a bit of experience on it. Obviously, Washington has good offensive line, and UCLA usually has a pretty good offensive line. So they have played some good teams in that regard. Uh, it won't get any easier going up against Washington State this week. They have a good, experienced offensive line, and they're going to have to find a way to get to the passer. And I think we talk about personnel a ton here, but I think one of the main things about their problem their problem with not getting to the passer right now is schematic and they're not really doing anything special in order to get to the passer it's mostly just a straight rush most of the time usually you have to change some things up you have to catch the offensive line off guard so that's kind of what i want to see this week i want to see them try to catch them off guard well, and I think that's a really good point. I think a straight rush only works if you have, like, four big dudes. or five, I'm sorry, five big dudes who are going to rush the quarterback, and that's not... Or Jimmy Gilbert. 
or Jimmy Gilbert, who is just like athletic as shit and really awesome. And that's not necessarily. I can bleep what the that. Don't worry. What? I can bleep that. Don't worry. Okay, you bleep it. Sorry, sorry guys. Um, I know all of you who are like listen to our football podcast have never heard swearing before, so I apologize. Um, football, there's no swearing in there's football. There's no swearing in football. There's not. I see coaches yell the F word on the sideline all the time. It's my favorite because you like can't hear them, but you see it. And you're yeah. like, yes. Um, okay. So let's, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, other keys to victory. Um, it seems like asking for the wide receivers to get going is just asking too much of this offense this season. So I'm going to even scale back what I'm asking for. Just get one of them going. Just have, like, a Bryce Bobo have a good game. Have Shea Fields have a good game. Have Devin Ross have a good I don't care which one. Just get J-Mac one of your tired. wide receivers going. J-Mac has been having a pretty good season, though. Like, he's been pretty regularly involved. Um, maybe not so much the past two weeks, but he had before that been pretty re- I just assume J-Mac's going to be reliable. He's, he's going to always have 50 yards and, like, six catches Yeah, or whatever. exactly. And it's always going to be, like, when we need a first down. <laughs> so, um I just just one of them. I don't care which wide receiver you get going. Pick pick one. I would love for it to be LaVisca Chenault, and I'm going to keep saying this until I get to see LaVisca score a touchdown Visca. offensively. But Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, I think it is too much of an expectation to expect this whole offense to get going. We know Phil's going to get going, so that's that's good expectation to have. But other than that, we, we're not really sure. And it, it, Looks like Montez likes to just lock on to one guy. So who's the guy going to be this week? I mean, I I think it's going to be Shea or Bobo. That's who it always is. But I would love for it to be Visca. And I'm going to keep coming back to this just because I want to talk about what I'm going to talk about right now, which is the fact that I interviewed Visca a couple of weeks ago. And, wow, man a few words gets a whole new, like, definition when you're talking about LaVisca Chenault. That kid gives yes or no but answers to almost everything. He's not a man of few words if you're just talking to him. It's right. something about interviews. Something about that you like put he's a just phone like in his face to record him. <laughs> and he just... I, he's and just he like, wasn't yeah, being rude. Yeah, he wasn't good. like... It wasn't like... I don't know what it was, but I was just like... Every time I asked him a question, it was... Uh, how did how did it feel to score your first offense or your first touchdown as a buff on special teams instead of offense? Did that surprise you? Like how did that kind of happen? Yes, <laughs> it surprised me. Yes, it's oh surprised. okay. Uh, so um, hopefully hopefully we will continue to get a little bit more out of Visca because I would love to know more about him. Someone but. said that they think that KD just gave all the interviews in high school and Visca never had to do it. Yeah, that's what. Um, that's what one of the guys told me when I was asking about that. And they were like, well, Katie and Visca come from the same high school in DeSoto, Texas. And they have been playing together as wide receivers for so long. They've known each other since sixth grade. I did get that out of Visca at least. But um, they've, they've known each other for so long. And Katie is such a vocal person and such a good interview. Like, hands down the best freshman interview I've done this year. And he's, like, so not well-spoken. I don't like using that term, well-spoken. Um, he's so, like... I don't know, just confident. He, like, gives really good answers to everything, and he's, like, in-depth. He's charismatic. Charismatic, yeah. And he, I, th- I think Visca just got to kind of stand behind him and not really answer questions for their whole high school he, career or something. Like, I don't know. I'm just going to score touchdowns, KD. You go do your thing. Yeah, I'm, we're both going to score touchdowns, and I'm just going to stand behind you and nod in the press conference, which is essentially what he did when I talked to him. And I know that's kind of happened in more than one interview, but um, – I would love to see Visca have a really good game. I would love to see Juwan Winfrey have a really good game. Like, I just keep waiting for that. And I said this on yesterday's podcast. 
I don't know what has to happen for Devin Ross or Shea Fields or not Bryce Bobo because he was a hot he had a hot game last week. I don't know what they have to do to kind of start having to share snaps, but I think that a third of Shea and Devin's snaps should be going to Visca and Juwan. That's what I think. And you know Juwan wants it too. Like Juwan wants it so bad. I don't know. Me and you kind of have this theory. It's not backed up by anything, but he likes to subtweet, I think. And he likes to send some tweets out about things that are going on around the football team. And I think you can kind of catch his drift at and times. I- so this is not backed up by anything. Chase and I could just be, like, really into seeing Juwan play, and we're just super reading into his tweets, and they're, like, about French fries or something. Like, I don't, I don't know. Women, most likely. Women, yeah. I, I don't know why I said French fries. I just, like, a random. You know what I mean? Like, it's probably not about what we're thinking about, but he tweets sometimes after games, and Chase and I are just like, oh, like, I the kid deserves to play. Like, bottom line, the kid deserves to play. LaVisca deserves to play. KD deserves to play. I, I, I want to see them out on the field. But bottom line, key to victory, get one of the wide receivers going. I don't care which one. Just get one of them going. Mm-hmm. And then fourth key to victory, which Chase has already spilled, feed Phil. I have it in all caps on my notes right here. Feed Phil all the time. Give him the rock. All game long, you'll be fine. Do you have it spelled P-H-E-E-D or I F-E-E-D? I have it spelled feed okay. Phil. No, I have it F-E-E-D-P-H-I-L. I don't know. Should. It should be Feed Phil. You're right. PH. I'm going to make a graphic for that. That's dope. Oh, no, yeah. It was kind of my thing last year because everyone used Feed, F E E D. Yeah. And I was like, oh, why haven't you guys switched that? Like, that's the most obvious thing ever. You You're do totally P H E E D, Phil. Feed yeah. Phil. All right. It's the only thing that's written in caps mm-hmm. on my notes, by the way. It's the only thing in caps. Feed Phil. They, I mean, every time they feed Phil, the Buffs have a really good game. And I know a lot of that is just like because they're getting the offense going, but Phil is also just one of those cogs in the offensive machine that like when he gets going, he gets everything else around it going. So you're right. Get going this I think they should have the run game going all together and I know they're going to feed Phil. They have to feed Phil, but I also want to see those read options with Montez. I feel like they've gone away from that these last two weeks. You don't see Montez running as much as he did against UCLA and Washington, I guess. But And it's kind of funny because everyone was asking after the Washington game about like Montez's comfort with the read option, and yet we haven't seen it in a little while. I think Mac maybe went away from it because he made several comments after the last game where Montez ran a lot, and he was like, Montez has to learn to slide. And then he had that one slide where he was like short of the first down, and I don't, I don't know if that has kind of like pushed them away from Montez running, but it looks like it's where Montez is most comfortable. He likes to run the ball. Like, he likes the option, yeah, for he, sure. He likes the option, and I, I don't know. They just haven't given him that much freedom this year, I guess. But I think I want to see that read option. I also want to see Phil get the ball a lot, but I think it opens up the defense so much. When they have to watch the quarterback run and the running back run, and then you bring in a, an RPO, a run pass option, and now they have to watch multiple things, and that's how you get a successful offense, in my opinion. See, I think that's true across the board, but I think when you're talking about Steven Montez, who we talk all the time about how he's not going through his full progressions, he's not making every read he needs to make on the field before he makes an offensive decision, I think that being able to like lean on his comfort zone, which is just darting a like around the outside of the line for a couple yards 
I think maybe that's doing him a disservice. I think that maybe he needs to like keep himself in the pocket a little bit longer oh, and like let the plays develop, and then. I, I don't think there's – I love dual-threat quarterbacks. I think mobility is huge. I, I've always preferred, like, quarterbacks who can do both. But I I don't know. Montez, like, seems to be leaning on it, I think, instead of, like, really looking at the whole field. And I we keep talking about getting the wide receivers involved, so I'm just spitballing. There has to be a reason that it's not working. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah, but there's a difference between, like, scrambling and then running the read option. And I think he needs to get away from scrambling as much as he has been. Maybe that's true. But – with that being said, I think a lot of the reasons he scrambles is because he just doesn't trust his offensive line in front of him. Yeah. And it's not going to help if you make him sit in the pocket for longer because then he's just going to probably end up like Cepho and injured all the time. Okay, then I want a right tackle, <laughs> and I want him to stay in the pocket longer. That's what I want. There you You're go. Right. They can find a right tackle. I think Montez would have a lot more pocket presence because I think he'd be a yeah. little bit more confident. I just want I, his deep ball is so good, and he has so many deep threat receivers that it bums me out. Not even just as a Buffs fan, but as like somebody who enjoys football, to like not get to see that. And I think we're going to keep coming back to that as long as the deep ball is basically eliminated from their offense. Because even last week with Bobo, it wasn't that much. No, and it's the biggest reason is that the offensive line isn't given Monta yeah. to let that develop. Yeah. And so once they figure. If they can figure out their pass protection problems, I think we will start seeing the deep ball. But until then, I, I don't know if we'll see many deep balls besides when Montez gets out of the pocket, like those passes he had to Shea earlier in the yeah. season. All right, I think that's fair. Let's uh, let's go ahead and switch into our player predictions for the week. What do you, Chase and I are always wrong. I'm starting to think that we jinx everything. I said I wanted to see KD take a kick, kick, punt. Kick. kick kick back to the house. I'm forever going to mix that up. I wanted to see Katie take a kick back to the house, and Katie didn't even field kicks last week. Right. Ronnie was the yeah, only Ronnie one Yeah, Ronnie Blackman was the one fielding them. So I've, like, fully extended my jinx to, like, what. I, so I'm going to start predicting bad stuff, I think. Yeah, I like, know. all right. Luke Falk passes for 450 yards. Yeah, and 10 <laughs> touchdowns. So really that won't happen. So, like, that's, that's the energy I'm going to start putting out there. So... I'm not really going to do that, but right. maybe I should. Give me your best player prediction. I don't know, you guys. Um, this is really hard. I, Washington State is going to really hurt this defense. Um, I think Devin Ross has a big game. I think it's time for Dev to come back. That was my prediction last week, and guess who didn't Sorry. have a reception? Um, yeah, I know. I know. See, I think we both do it. I think we're both jinxing them. Um, I think Devin Ross has a big game. Devin Ross has, like, buck 25 and a score. All right. Um, my bold prediction, Montez is going to throw for four TDs. It's a pretty good number. I, he's already done it this season once, but I think he's going to throw for – It's like Colorado State, Texas yeah, State. Te- uh I don't know. It was one of those games yeah. where he threw it to each receiver. He had one touchdown to each of his big four receivers. Okay. I think he's going to throw oh, yeah, for four Texas TDs. Yeah. That's a bold prediction, but I think that's how prediction. they stay in this game. I, Yeah, I, I think Isaiah Oliver has an interception, too. I think he's just overdue for one. So I think Isaiah Oliver, either him or foe, one of them has an interception. They're both, they're both overdue for one, in my opinion. 
So. So game predictions? Game predictions. Uh, uh, did you pull up the Vegas spread? Yes. They like the Bucks, Buffs actually this week in a, in a way. Obviously, the Buffs aren't, aren't favorites. Right. But uh, Washington State is a 10-point favorite, which actually just kind of seems low. That does me. seem really low, yeah. Um, I w- Especially on the road. If I'm a betting man, which I'm not for this podcast because I can't say that. <laughs> but um, if I'm a betting man, I'm probably putting money on that Washington State spread. I think minus 10. But that seems like... I agree. I think they're going to beat them by at least two, two scores. Yeah. yeah, like that's where I'm at. I'm at. I'm at a two possession for sure. The over unders at fifty three, which also seems kind of low. So it's like thirty twenty somewhere in there, thirty one twenty one something like that. Yeah. Um. Okay. So do you want to make one? Mm, I think. Oh. All right. You go first. Okay. I've picked the Buffs all season. I'm not picking the Buffs tonight. Um, I think this is the first time that I'm saying the Buffs are not going to win a game, so I don't want to hear too much sass from you guys. But um, Buffs are going to lose by at least two touchdowns. Like, I I want to say, I don't know, like 35, 21, 20, somewhere in there. So right around Vegas. Yeah. All right, well. One of our buddies that works for Nine News, Aaron Matus, got in a little trouble this past weekend for saying that there was no chance that the New York Giants were going to be able to beat the Denver Broncos this past weekend. Absolutely no chance. Interesting. Uh, he ended up jinxing them, according to some people. Uh, and if that's what you believe, then great, because what I'm about to say is that there is no chance that CU goes into Pullman, oh. Washington, and beats the Washington State Cougars. I'm going to go with 45-24. I think they beat them by 21 points. Yeah. Three touchdown games. Interesting. I mean, that could happen. I don't I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, I think that this game could easily, if Washington State, like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, if Washington State gets that run game going, I think they put this one to bed early. That's what I think. So, three it, touchdowns would not surprise me. Though, you know, if they get a good lead and put in their second string in the puffs. <laughs> it will literally be put into bed early because we'll all be going to bed because oh the gosh. game doesn't kick off till 8.50 or something game. crazy like that. We love you guys, but that content <laughs> is going to be lay hate. You want to do a post-game podcast? We're not going to do a post-game podcast this week. We've talked about doing post-game podcasts, but we don't get out of the stadium until after midnight or 2 in the morning for night games anyway. So adding a podcast to that would be a little brutal for us. Maybe the Cal game when it's at noon, but we can't really make any promises. Yeah, we could. We could do it at the Cal game. No, but it's homecoming, and we have a bunch of friends in town. Yeah. We can't make any promises. We're going to be out in Boulder with you guys is where we're going to be. We're going to be out drinking with y'all. We don't want to be sitting down (laughs) talking in the microphone. Chase is, Chase is going to be not being 21, which is so frustrating. I'm not 21 for... We just want to hang out with you, Chase. A year and a half, I just want you to come out with us. I've always said two years. I can't wait until my first sip of alcohol in <laughs> one and a half years. It's going to be great. That's really real. It's going to be his <laughs> first sip of alcohol ever. Okay. I'm going straight to the dark horse. <laughs> we love the dark horse. Um, we or also what does Jake love the walrus? I'm going straight to the walrus, having a drink, and I'm going to try to find some love. And you're going to fall in love with the walrus? Yeah. As somebody who has never <laughs> been in the walrus, <laughs> 
That's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> you will not find love at the walrus. You will find, like, drunk guys and just scantily clad women. You might find love at the walrus, actually, now that I'm saying that How do you that know that's loud. not my type? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds bad for me, but maybe not for you. Um, okay, so we want to... Uh, Talk a little bit about the Blake Street Tavern. We love the Blake Street Tavern. We're here right now watching the Nuggets. They obviously look really good. We just ate. It was delicious. Food was is always good. So good. The drinks are always good. Always good. The games that are on TV are always good because the, the games sports that are, are always good. Are always good. Yep. They have a fire pit outside. I mean, it's really just a party at the Blake Street Tavern all the time. The views are always good. Yeah. Everything's just always good here. So you can buy buff shirts. Do away all game the this here. weekend, like we talked about. Yes. During the read yesterday, eight thirty game. No better place to be than here at the Blake Street Tavern. And then you can go out in Denver after with all of your friends. Chase and I may or may not be here because we don't plan our lives that far ahead. Yeah. Only so I only plan late, my life guys. like an hour ahead. So. Yeah. Also, Chase may or may not be covering DU hockey. Which, if you guys want to get more information on that, you can totally follow him. Uh, actually, you can follow all of us at BSN on Twitter at BSN Buffs, on Instagram at BSN Buffs. Uh, those are all my pictures. Yay! Or Matt Cisneros, who is also uh, just a fantastic photographer who used to work with us and occasionally stops by. He will be here for Cal for homecoming this week. Or He's next coming home. Week. It's going to be awesome. I love when Matt's here. He is just friggin' wonderful. Um, you can also follow us uh, personally on Twitter mm-hmm. at Samantha N. Weaver and at by Chase Howell. It's mm-hmm. a lot of adverbs. I don't know what this at by Chase Howell. At by Chase Howell. At by Chase Howell. And um, you can uh, you can DM us. You can add us. You can talk to us about all the buff stuff you like. We uh, did go to the basketball media day today for men's and women's basketball. Right. So we have, I think. And I, I sat in the skiing press conference as well. Chase also learned about the Buffs ski team. So um, I didn't They're going to be good this year, which is a very bold prediction because they're are literally ever? top three in the nation every single year. Just seems like a weird thing. They're going to do that at. again because they are always good. Well, in Colorado. Yeah, I guess I'm from Texas, so the whole like being good at skiing thing just eludes me. I just don't, I don't get it. But yeah, it was kind of funny. The ski buff. coach was asked about like how he's able to be so good every year, and he was like, "Well, it's pretty easy to recruit when you got the mountains like 30 minutes away." Yeah, that's <laughs> it's, true. It's not that hard to like do much. His job really isn't funny. that hard to bring in recruits, whereas Coach Mack has a little bit more work to do when he talks <laughs> to the recruits. That's really funny. Um, okay, so, yeah, so we will have, um, I think we officially decided we're going to do a separate Buffs basketball podcast. Mm-hmm. We used to have, it used to all be in the one the one weekly podcast, but now that we're doing multiple pods for you guys, we yeah, are. Weekly podcasts are so 2016. Yes, so 2016. I can't even believe they got away with that. <laughs> so we're going to do, uh, we're going to keep the two football pods going, obviously, and then we'll do at least one basketball podcast a week if, um, they start playing really well or we feel the need to do more than one or you guys really want more than one, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, Chase and I are still in school, yeah. though, so we, we do have limits to how much uh, information we can give you guys at a time. Um, but, yeah, so basketball is going to be really exciting this year. I can't wait to see McKinley Wright play. Yeah, George everybody King. is so excited about McKinley. It's going to be awesome. That kid is unreal, you guys. We've only been in a handful of practices, and he just – he looks like a professional. He looks like an NBA player mm-hmm. to me in the way that he carries himself, the way that he talks to the team, the way that he, like, directs things, the way that he, I mean, 
what did Tad Boyle say outside of his shooting? He's like at that level already, and yeah. that's like the only thing he still has to work on. But I mean, the kids, the kids, the real deal. I thought what Tad had to say about his recruitment was pretty interesting, just because he was oh, yeah. such a late, late recruiter, uh, recruited so late. I guess is the right way to say that. Because CU didn't really know that they needed a point guard yeah. until Thomas Akiazili and Bryce Peters both said that they would be moving in a different direction. And then they're like, crap, we got to go find a point guard. <laughs> who can play tomorrow. <laughs> Mike Grone, who was just named the associate head coach, he found them somehow, knew that uh, his interest in Dayton was falling a little bit, and was he was looking elsewhere. They traveled to Minnesota and got him. It all happened within like a month's time, and he is like the most highly touted recruit. He wasn't the highest rated, but at this point he's the most highly touted freshman because everyone can't stop talking about him. And he's, and he just seems from the limited interactions we've had so far. I mean, he just seems like a nice guy. He's like, he's good to talk to. He's like got a lot to say. He's funny. He's charismatic. He's engaging. Like it it seems like he's going to be a really good addition to a team that lost so much experience and so much talent this year. So, I mean, we miss Derek White. I miss Derek White already. I always miss Derek White, though. Poor Derek White had one year and literally played in probably the worst year that he could yeah, during this Tad but Boyle era. He played era. lights out, man, and he was a first-round draft pick, so kudos to Derek White. Without him, I don't know if they win a game in the Pac-12 last year. Like, yeah, that was... He carried the team, and so it's kind of sad that he's gone. Yeah. But the cool thing about McKinley is that he's kind of like the polar opposite to George King. Not like in talent, but in leadership style. So George is really like quiet and almost like brooding in a way. But he's a really good leader. He still is a leader of the team. He's just not that guy who's going to be like really vocal and yell at you across the court. And McKinley is. George King is known for not being as vocal. But he has said this year that he's trying to be a lot more vocal. And he's willing to get in the people's face during practice. I want to see so that. I want to see George King get in somebody's that's face. That's a good thing to hear, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I would like to see it with my own eyes, but hopefully, I mean, George King watched those seniors last year kind of fail in their leadership role. Yeah. So I think he wants to do it a little differently, and yeah. I think he's kind of figured that out. I mean, it's, it's going to be an exciting year for sure, and I, I we're excited for all of that to not kick off. I guess get underway. We're excited for basketball to start. Tip off. Tip off. There Tip you off. Go. Eluded me for a second. <laughs> it is funny how like all the start the season terms are like like that like kickoff. I'm I'm excited for DU to drop the puck this weekend. You know. Drop the puck this weekend. <laughs> Dang. All right. Hockey. I don't know. Um. <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I'm a little upset now. You just insulted Chase hockey. Is, okay, Chase is so mad. This happened last year too. I was. <laughs> You guys can hate me, too, if you want. But I was talking to Jake last year, and it was at the end of basketball season, and obviously football is already over. And I was like, God, I hate this time of year. It's like all that's on is baseball and hockey. And Jake did not talk to me for, like, a good well, yeah. 10 minutes. I mean, he was so upset. You can't insult him any more than saying baseball and hockey. And it's that's not personal. Like, this is just not my favorite uh, sports. Ooh, and he he tweeted that – I don't know if you've ever seen Jake tweet my photo albums, but he always tweets uh, Sammy with the pics. And he tweets my photo albums, and after I said that, he said she's now Sammy with the unemployment because <laughs> he was the Buffs editor last year, and it, it hurt my feelings. But Well, I stepped on the Blackhawks logo. Oh, I probably shouldn't say this on the podcast just in case but Blackhawks fans come out after me, but uh, I stepped on the Blackhawks logo when I was in DU's locker room during the Frozen Four, 
And he got word of it, not by me, but because of Nick Tremoroli. He's like one of his best friends and writes for Let's Go DU. And Jake's from and Chicago. And he, yeah, Jake wanted to fire me as well at that point. So he, just, he's not afraid to. Um, he thinks his firing power is so much higher <laughs> than it is. He's like, Sam and Chase have insulted hockey, so they're done. Yeah. Well, Jake would never fire me. Can't. All right. I guess that'll do it. All right. We. We had a fantastic time talking about Washington State with you guys. Um, like we said, uh, at us on Twitter, start a conversation with us. Tell us why you agree or disagree with us. Ask us questions for the podcast next week. And uh, we will be back after Washington State, and we will have some more conversations for you guys. Hopefully it's a positive conversation. Hopefully Chase and I's predictions are all wrong this week and the Buffs win. There's no chance Chase that they beat no Washington chance. State right. in Pullman. Well, no chance. Either way, Chase Zero. and I will be here next week, and we will talk about what happened at Washington State, and uh, we will start looking ahead to Cal and for BSM Buffs and Chase Howell. I'm Sam Weaver.